want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open it up, or if you're using an app, turn that app on and find your way to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John, this is our final week as we've spent the past five weeks kind of working through this short book and trying to understand uh, the theme from it is our blessed assurance, how we can know that we have a relationship with God. And today we're going to look at this fifth installment of this series that I've simply titled this message, The Reality of God's Love. The Reality of God's Love. John, you recall, gives us several uh, indications that we can know that we belong to God, that we can know that we have a relationship with God, things that can create within our lives a sense of security and assurance. God wants us to know that He loves us, and He wants us to know that we can have assurance in our relationship with Him. My goal throughout this these past five weeks has very simply been to create a space here for the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life to bring you to one or two places either to bring you to a place of conviction if you need to establish a relationship with Christ, or to bring you to a place of comfort to reassure you that you have a relationship with Christ. So today we're going to take a look at, at the final couple of realities that can give us assurance, not just this day, but in the days to come. And there's actually, I only had, it's a two-point sermon, so lest you think you're getting out of point early, I make it make something up to make those points longer. But it's just a two-point sermon today, two realities, and both of these realities are connected to the love of God. We're just going to jump in. I'm going to share with you what, what each reality is, and we're going to work our way through them as we seek to understand them, okay? Two realities that John teaches us that are connected to the love of God that can give us assurance. The first reality is this. God's love, once it is received by you will reveal something within you. Okay, the love of God, once you receive the love of God, it will reveal something within you. When we experience God's love, when we have God's love invade our lives, there is something that He produces within us that is revealed through us, and when it's revealed through us, we can have assurance that we belong to God. 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 7 and verse 8. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So a sign that should give you assurance that you know God, it's that you love one another. Notice how in verse 8 it tells us that God is love. This is one of the very few times in Scripture, one of the only times in fact in Scripture, where God is identified with one of His attributes. John did not say that God is love 
loving. He said that God is love. Now, he's not saying that the emotion of love is always God, nor is he saying that love is, is the only attribute of God. Rather, what John is showing us is that love is at the core of God's being. That's important. Love is core to God's being. Therefore, if self-giving, self-sacrificial love is not at the core of our being, there's no way that God can be within us because God is love. If there's no love for others, there is no God. Look what he says in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So God is going to show his love now. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So John describes God's love for us by stating that his love for us was more than just a feeling. God's love translated into an action in which he saved us by his grace. God did the unthinkable. He did the unimaginable. Having been rejected by his creation, this God who created us, this God who had every right to destroy us and start all over, instead chose out of compassion to take the penalty of our sin and suffer in our place. And there was no obligation for him to do it. In fact, I want you to hear me this morning. God did not need to love us to be God. He wanted to do it. God did not need us. He wanted us. And he wanted us because he loved us. I'll be honest, there are some days I don't want myself. And if you'll be honest, there are some days you don't want yourself. And yet God desires us. One of the defining characteristics of God is love. And one of the defining qualities of that love is the grace that he has showed to us. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Notice that John said, since God has loved us, we ought to love one another. The reason that we need to love one another is not because we look the same. It's not because we vote the same. It's not because we live in the same area. The reason we need to love each other is because that's what our God is like and he first loved us. And one of the signs that you know God and have been born of God is that you love. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. 
And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. John is making the same point from a different angle when he says that we can know that we know God because his spirit lives within us. How do we know that his spirit lives in us? John says, according to verse 15, that you know the spirit of God is within you because you recognize the truth about Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. Why did he choose to save us? Because he loves us. And he says, notice what he says here in verse 16, that we have now come to know Know and believe that God loves us. We may not be able to explain it, but God has let our hearts sense His love for us. A sign that you're filled with the Spirit is that you're filled with this sense of God's love for you. I want you to understand that love this morning. Because it's paramount to understanding what it produces within us. Look at verse 19. I know you're saying, what about 17, 18? We're going to come back to 17, 18. But go down to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God also must love his brother. Okay, hang with me. It is inconceivable, according to John, it is inconceivable that you could encounter the power of God's love and grace without being filled with that love yourself. Any person who receives a glimpse of that love that the Spirit allows us to get a sense of will walk away without any words to adequately describe it. David tried to describe the love of God in this way. He did this in Psalm 103:11. David said, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Look at that. Look, look at what David said. It's on the screen for you. That God, that the, the analogy that David uses to help us understand God's love, as high as the heavens are above the earth. I want for just a second to try to measure that. Anybody bring a tape measure? You got one, Clayton? Okay. How high is that love? How deep is that love? Okay, we live in the Milky Way galaxy, right? Okay, we live in this galaxy, and that if you traveled at the speed of light, and the speed of light, I, I looked it up, and if it's on the internet that Al Gore invented, it must be true. <laughs> the speed of light, 186,202 miles per second. Okay, that's almost as fast as I've seen some of you drive down Highway 90. <laughs> if you travel at the speed of light, it would take you a hundred thousand years to get to the edge of the Milky Way galaxy, the galaxy upon which we live. Now, scientists, people who are a lot smarter than I am, Scientists tell us that there are around 80 billion galaxies in the universe. 
between the heavens and the earth. Traveling, get this, traveling at the speed of light, it would take you upwards of 15.5 billion years to get to the edge of the universe. And this is the analogy that God uses to measure his love for us. That blows my mind. That his love for me is that deep. No wonder the hymn writer said many years ago, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though it stretched from sky to sky. God loves us. That much, it is inconceivable then that you could encounter or experience that kind of love from God and not be filled with love for others. So it begs the question, do you love others? Are you willing to sacrifice for others? John tells us back in 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In the words of the great theologian country singer that I heard at Hank Williams, Jr., A little less talk, a lot more action. One of the ways to determine if you're filled with God is to look at your love. Do you love like God loves? Do you treat others the way Jesus treats you? Now, some of you may feel in despair right now in hearing these questions because you wonder, do I love enough? How do I know if I love enough? Let me remind you that the basis of your salvation isn't in how much you love, but in how much Christ loved you and what he did for you. As you believe Jesus, as you follow Jesus, you will not see perfection in your love for others, but you will see a beginning in your heart for a love for others. And you'll see growth in your love for others. The reality is that God's love, once once it is received, will always reveal something within us. And here's the second reality. God's love, when it's received, will always remove something from us. It will reveal something within us but it will also remove something from us. I want to draw your attention back to 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Look at what he's saying. That we may have confidence in the day of judgment, when we stand before God, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, 
for fear has to do with punishment. Now, he's talking in the context of our relationship with God. Fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Fear has to do with punishment. Now, don't miss this. John is talking in context about our relationship with God, having confidence standing before God. When you think about standing before God, does it strike within your heart fear that condemns you or confidence that Christ has saved you? That's the question. Because love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. An unhealthy fear of punishment from God. If you have an unhealthy fear that when you stand before God, He is going to punish you, that shows that you have yet to believe, that you have yet to understand, that you have yet to grasp the gospel, because hear me, hear me well, the gospel teaches that all sin and all judgment and all condemnation has been removed in the relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ. For you see, Jesus finished the work of your salvation. God's perfect love, as high as the heavens are above the earth, took all of your sin in your place. So then, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So then, according to Romans chapter 8 verses 38-39, that I can be sure that neither death nor nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. Fear is removed, but the love of God for me is never removed. And when you grasp that God's love for you is never removed, the fear of condemnation before God, it must leave. The gospel drives out fear. And when God defeated sin, he defeated fear. And so I can stand before you today being the perfect example of imperfection. I can stand before you today having earned a Ph.D. in S.I.N. I can stand before you today telling you that one day many years ago, I knelt by my parents' bed, and I couldn't quote to you a chapter of the Bible. All I knew was that I was a sinner and that Jesus loved me. And I just called out to him. And there have been many days from that day until this one, and there'll be many days from this day until the Lord calls me home. That I will falter, that I will fail, that I will stumble. But I can tell you this, because of Jesus for me, there is no guilt in life. There is no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry, to its final breath. 
Jesus commands my destiny. There's no power of hell. There's no scheme of man that can ever pluck me from his hand until he returns or he calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Is that where you stand? You see, I'm not saying, and John's not saying that you have to be perfect or become perfect to have assurance. But when you're born again, you see the beginnings of these two realities in your life. God begins to love others through you, and he begins to remove fear from you. What do you do if that's never happened in your life? What do you do if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? The answer is so simple. But yet it seems to be so difficult. Believe the gospel. That's it. You don't have a relationship with God. You want a relationship, you want a relationship with God today? Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel that teaches us that we're so bad that God had to die for us, but God loves us so much, He was glad to die for us. Believe the gospel, which tells us that Jesus came to this earth and lived a life of perfection because He knew we'd never be able to. And He died a death for us, not for His sins, but for mine. And He calls you today to just simply trust in Him, to trust that He's done the work. Say, Pastor, that doesn't sound fair. It's not fair. That's why we don't sing amazing fairness. We sing amazing grace. It's not fair. That's why we don't sing about our love. That's why we sing about His love for us. Whatever your spiritual problem is today, the remedy is the same, and it always has been, and it always will be. Believe the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said. It is the power of God unto salvation. And today, if you'll believe the gospel, if you'll cry out to Jesus, he will save you. If you're sitting in this room and if you're listening, if you're watching us online, if there's never been a time that you've called out to Jesus in just a second, we're just going to be silent. And I'm just going to give you a half, half a minute, 30 seconds or so to do business with God. If God has brought you to a point of conviction to where you realize that you don't have this relationship with Him and you want it, cry out to Him. There are no magic words to say. God sees your heart, and God wants to hear your plea. Simply cry out to Him to save you. If God has brought you to a point of, of comfort, and you have received a reassurance, give thanks to Him in those 30 seconds that there'll never be a day in your life that you have to worry about being forsaken by Him. 
I'll admit to you that I've got some fears that I will do some stupid things that will cause some folks to not love me. It's perfectly within my capability that I can sin so bad that my wife will not want to be around me, that my kids will disown me. And before you look at me like that, it's within your capability to do the very same thing. You are capable of doing something so negligent, so sinful, that everyone around you will desert you. But there is nothing that I will ever do that God, my Father, will stop loving me. And if he's brought you to a point today to where you realize how deeply he loves you, throw your hands up to him and surrender. Take just, just, just bow your head right where you are. Take just a second. Do business with God in this next half minute. Cry out to him for salvation. Call out to him in praise. As you've spent these few seconds with God, maybe God has placed upon your heart the next step that you need to take. Maybe you made that decision today. Maybe in that half minute, maybe in those few seconds, you simply cried out to God to save you. If you did, the Bible teaches us that the angels in heaven rejoice, and we want to rejoice with you. In the pew in front of you, you'll find a, a yellow card that's the next step. Or if you're watching us online, you can go to fbcmilton.org slash next steps. And there are the steps that you can take. If you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior today, let us know that. Place that mark. If you desire to be baptized as a testimony to who, what Jesus has done for you, make that mark. Whatever decision you need to make, you can indicate it there on that card. Or you can go online and make that indication to us. And what we want you to do today is, is as you leave today, we want you just to drop that card in the box that's outside and we'll follow up with you this week. We will uh, seek to, to help you take the next step. And you can do that online as well to let us know. And I, I pray that you've done business with God in these few moments. As we prepare.